Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, all. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with you. And I hope we've got a very delightful show for you today. But let's start with the niceties and a reminder that this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and does not constitute working with a mental health provider. I strongly recommend seeking a mental health provider in your area or state to work on the issues that you need to and on your unique ways to find what you need. So. Going into today's episode, as a requirement for all of us that are in helping professions, we have to do continuing education. And with the continuing education, we can discover a variety of topics beyond just law and ethics. And so one of the ones that I recently did was one of my trainings with through an organization known as Tashra.org, which we'll put their information in the show notes. And the particular presentation I was attending was Black Taboo talking about black kink topics. And this month, we this is what I'm going to be launching off our Pride Month for February. Well, history, black pride, black history, black excellence is the was probably for our topic for this month. And I thought this was a great one to kick this off because this was an education in this topic, even though as a member of Onyx, I have a certain understanding of things, but it's always more to learn. So today's guest was the presenter in the Black Kink uh, class training I was in, and that is Marlene Renee Stewart, MA, is a professional sexologist, intimacy, relationship, and sex coach, speaker, and author. She is the owner of Velvet Lips, a sexual education company, as well as a contract, uh, as well as Contract Liberation, a company focused on research for nonprofit groups. As a facility member at Clayton State University, she teaches sociology and women's sociology, women's and gender studies. As the co-founder of the Sex Down South Conference, Marla aims to bring diverse groups together to learn and share their experience in the essence of being authentic and fostering sexual liberation across communities. Marla has studied human sexuality for over 20 years and has educated over 20,000 people in order in over 30, in over 13 years, given over 500 pres- workshops and has served over 100 clients in her private practice all around the world. She has had her influence in the media as well. She was written over 200 articles featured in over 20 magazines and books and has been on over 60 podcasts and independent television shows. She was featured on Netflix Trigger Warning with Killer Mike, VH1's Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, and filmed as a sex expert for the GP, GPB Personal Injury Court and Oxygen Bad Girls Club Atlanta. In addition, she also sits on the boards for Spark Reproductive Justice Now and the Diverse Sexualities and Research Educational Institute. She co-wrote her first book, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay in 2020 with Dr. Jessica O'Reilly and wrote a chapter and co-edited an an intersectional approach to sex therapy, which debuted in December 2021. Arla, welcome to Untying Knots. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Perry, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, you said a mouthful. <laughs> My bio seems like a lot every time I hear it, but I'm just like, geez, my knees, Marla. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Well, my apologies also for the mispronunciation. It's also the joys of dealing with dyslexia and trying to read. And it's not my favorite thing, especially aloud. Reading, yes, but reading aloud, it's where I kind of trip up at times. No problem. No problem. It's all good. That's all good. Yeah. So how did you get here? Oof, such a loaded question, right? (laughs) So, um, you know, I got here, I think, in a multitude of ways. But for the most part, I think it's a process of a few things, which is college, right? Mm -hmm. So college allowed me to give my friends uh, sexual advice um, that they needed and wanted. And I, you know, was able to help them along their journeys, um, and that that all stemmed from my mother, who I would say raised me as, you know, she was a sex positive parent in my eyes, I would say, mm-hmm. and back then, too. She didn't want me to become a teenage mother like she was. She knew how hard it was. Um, so she really raised me to be like, hey, you know, these. this is what happens to your body. These are the changes that are going to happen. Um, this is, you know, when you get horny, because you will you know, this is what sex is. This is, you know, make sure you use a condom. If you feel you're ready for sex, that means you go to the store, you use a condom. Um, She was very adamant just about what I needed to do, how I needed to live my life, the education that I needed to be a sexually responsible human being. And so um, that was important for me. That was just a a, a lifelong lesson that has stuck with me. Mm. And then of course, when I went to college and, and studying human sexuality and, um, I got to, you know, not only enable the knowledge that my mother gave me, but, uh, learn from, you know, school and give that knowledge to my peers as well. And so as I got into grad school, Um, Of course, I continued to study more sex and sexuality stuff and decided to uh, start my business. And um, that's where I've been. So started my business from there. And then it's just kind of grown and morphed into other projects and things. And Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that's where I'm at now. Lovely. Brief version, (laughs) at least. (laughs) A brief version, but very much a, a, a thought that we don't get this as well in the black verse of what does it mean dealing with our sexuality and very much in that standpoint of um how do we break it down as i think it was sort of um best said mentorium tony morrison's and bluest eyes there were the women that were big into the church and the women that weren't and how much does that sort of often get broken down into us as a culture or at least even the view of us Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I mean, it goes with like Patricia Hill Collins, right? In black sexual politics and how, you know, we are, we have categories for what kind of particularly black women we are, black Mm -hmm. people, right? Mm -hmm. So whether we are the Jezebel or the Sapphire or the black lady or the mammy or, Mm 
Um, you know, all of these things kind of speak to our sexuality and what we can or cannot be or what we hold tight on to um, in order to, it, it might be, you know, self-preservation. It might be uh, just not wanting to be stigmatized uh, around mm -hmm. who we are. So, uh, and I mean, you know, black women's bodies have long been, uh, um, experimented on, you know, uh, looked at, gazed at, uh, it, it, so just, there's just so much history behind sort of, uh, who we are and how, and how we move through society to now, like how we've carried that with us through mm -hmm. these generations. So mm -hmm. I think it's important to understand the context and understand like how we as, um, black folks um, express our sexuality because it, sometimes it tends to want to be repressed or suppressed um, and we don't want to, some of us don't want to, yeah, feel that, feel that shame or stigma or um, express it too much or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, I think it's important just to be open and honest and upfront and say like, hey, this is who I am as a human being, because that allows other people to open up and be like, oh, wow, like I can be this person and I can do the things that I need to do to feel good and to live a fulfilling life. And not only does it do bode well for your, you know, sexual health, but it bodes well for your mental health as well, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to mm -hmm. sustain that self-esteem and confidence for yourself to be who you are. So, and, and live freely as much as you know we can in the world very much so and then add in what it means then we start looking at lgbt into that too how is we've been sort of based purely on our sexuality not just on our humanity as well yeah absolutely you know being black queer kinky like all the things right like mm -hmm. at one point my mama was just like you know what it's okay you know you don't have to tell me all the identities that encompass you because you hold a lot and it's more than i could have ever dreamed or imagined because i was placed well you know a lot of folks are, are placed or were raised in a certain way so mm -hmm. um I, I think the ability to be all of these things helps us to see things differently honestly mm -hmm. Um, we see things, um, we're able just to see things in a light that other people can't, who do not hold those identities. And mm -hmm. I think that's unique um, because it's it's sort of like, like I, I, I'm in the Department of Interdisciplinary Studies, right, at Clayton State. And so it's sort of like, I'm able to pull from this thing and this thing and that thing and this thing. And then I'm able, because I'm able to pull from all these sources, I could see the world in a very different way. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And at the same time, it can be kind of difficult um, to be the representative, you know, of all of these mm -hmm. different spaces and identi identities that we occupy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very much so. And also normalizing how even when we bring the sexuality into our identities, some of our identities aren't based on sexuality, but still can have their connection. As I've often said with this podcast is, it's also a kind of a reflection of me and my multiple intersecting identities. Mm -hmm. And especially that standpoint of what does it mean even for those of us that are into 
geek culture, sci-fi, fantasy, and so forth, to be able to bring those sexual elements in as well, because they're there, even in our, all the stories that we're interested in. I mean, Link and Zelda is like, as much as they're always being res- rescued, you know, there's something else going on. <laughs> Doesn't Why is he trying to rescue her all the time? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't be platonic friends, but it's like there is a relationship going on there. Or equally, because I, I know um, there's also some of the things like the uh, Dragon Age or Mass Effect there's a question of one of their con one of their story elements is you being able to have rel- relationships with some of the other characters. And then are they putting enough there to represent those who also want to be dealing with same gender or even non-binary relationships? Mm, yeah, that's fascinating. Right. You know, I went to recently, I went to a talk around like asexuality and, and aroma, uh, aromanticism. Um, and, it was very fascinating because there's so many different elements, right, to our sexuality um, that we tend to just box into mm-hmm. sex or sexual, you know, sexuality is just a you know, small box. But it's like, what do we perceive as romance? What do we, you know, who do we, who can we go out with? Who do we trust to do this? Or who do we trust to do that? And thinking about all of these different relationships, I think are important. But what you are actually kind of speaking to, and I I would love to touch upon this a little bit more is just sexual energy, right? How sexual energy is so powerful that you can see it even if it's not stated explicitly, right? So Link and Zelda, yeah, I mean, we could sit here and say, yeah, well, was there a sexual relationship? Well, I don't know, but like, there's got to be a reason like he's playing, you know, Captain Sabo all the time, you know, like what, why, you know, there's, there's, there's something going on there, mm-hmm. right? Because you wouldn't do that for nobody. I wouldn't do that. You know, you wouldn't be doing that for no stranger. So, you know, what is the reward that mm-hmm. Link is, is going to ultimately get from that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah. Same thing with Mario and Princess Peach. I mean, oh, yeah. there's all this stuff about being doing it, being right and being the hero and so forth. But damn and can we even see the implications of Mario and like the mushrooms and the Princess Peach and like, like there's all these uh, things that we could correlate to to sex and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I think that part is fascinating because I think it's infused in in everyday life and how we how we move about um so yeah and also for transparency sake folks we're recording this in october so (laughs) halloween is next week of us recording it and while you might be squicking out about the idea of you hearing about this conversation here in february just consider how many times during halloween do we get the sexy mario the sexy princess peach the sexy Zelda, the sexy Link. I mean, and one of those classic ones is the whole Princess Leia, whether you're doing her in the white outfit with the buns or the gold uh, slave outfit, there's bringing that element in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And there's a, there's a lot of that. There's, 
Yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing too. Halloween gives us a chance to role play. Mm -hmm. right? So when ordinarily we don't have that opportunity, well, not ordinarily, we do have the opportunity to play around and, and play in costumes and role play, but a lot of people just don't, right? Mm -hmm. They need an excuse to do it. And so Halloween does set that perfect excuse as to, oh, I can be, I don't know, a sexy witch or whatever um, mm -hmm. in order to evoke some sexual energy there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, because I know for um, I'm a member of Onyx Northwest and we're having our bar night in, uh, on Saturday. And it's like, oh, with especially Black Panther opening up in November, it's like, oh, come and cosplay. And it's like, okay, I'm pulling out my Black Panther gear and such. Not that... I can't fit into one of those latex or spandex bodies. <laughs> like, okay, so what leather gear can I pull together to create this Panther look? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I can't wait for that too. <laughs> so many of us can. <laughs> but that just, but and equally though, the, this does bring up the other element because we have mentioned Link, Zelda, and all of those, but all of those characters are coded as white. Uh, absolutely. So, what does it what does what do you think it looks like when we're looking to do this with black characters but also not turn it into the fetishizing mm, great question you know i think in the world of cosplay it's we have to understand the word play mm -hmm. period um and when we racialize it i think that's the part where we have to be like okay well uh, is it because I'm a, you know, uh, black, if I'm a black Zelda, what does that mean? Does that mean that my version of Zelda is black? Does it mean, uh, it, it's sort of like how, how do we see ourselves in these elements? Mm. Um, or, or can we be the example of how we see ourselves and can we be the black Zelda or the black link or whatever, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, and what is that, what does that mean to other people when they see us or see, you know, see us in cosplay and, and, and putting a racialized lens on a, you know, a, you know typically white character or even some characters who like aren't white, that might be a, a, a different color, but like, you know, even then, it's still kind of like, for instance, if we see like, uh, I'm thinking about the blue character avatar, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like what are the elements that we could see to make that a racialized being or does it even matter mm -hmm. um, within play? So, you know, I, I don't know. That's a, I, it's a really great question. Um, and I would be interested to hearing more more from that perspective of people who do cosplay and who do um, purposefully uh, transform white characters into racialized characters. Mm -hmm. be, if that even happens, I don't know. Well, there's plenty of black uh, black cosplay, so I would check yeah, that. Yeah, right. I know there's some others that I would like to try and get on the show as well to just talk about some of their experiences that... Um, but that's one of those things we look at, especially enjoying our geekdom as well as our sexuality. Mm -hmm. So that leads to another area. And this was something I know I saw on Twitter at some point a month or two ago saying, uh, and this mostly heterosexual, but saying that black women don't like black geek men. 
Wow, interesting. What? Yeah, I and it was one of those. It's like I'm not going to give in more energy to that. I'm just. <laughs> but there comes to also that standpoint of as geeks, we're not considered sexual beings. Wow, you know what? It's so funny because I think the way, it, and I I think it's been in the media. Right. When we see geeks right in the media, we see them as non-sexual people. Right. We see Screech right, mm -hmm. as a non-sexual person. We've seen um, and it wasn't until what American Pie. Right. When the band geeks. Right. We're like, yeah, I put the food up my pussy. Right. And it was just like, whoa, like, wait a minute. Geeks can be sexual. Like, I think that completely kind of turned it helped to turn a little bit on its head around like, you no, know, geeks are sexual human beings. Um, but I think we've been making it a character for so long that we've like, like folks with disabilities, we typically as a society tend to not see them as sexual beings. Mm. Um, and I think there's a lot more work to be done on who we deem and how we deem sexual beings and, and how we can, ensure that unless they are asexual that they are a sexual being mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so things to think about and things that also we're looking to normalize and for many of us in the black culture yeah and i think sometimes people are afraid right so sometimes people are afraid of like oh wait a black geek like what does that mean like i maybe i wouldn't be able to relate because i'm not into black geekdom but if you were there like if you went to the conventions if you went mm -hmm. to those spots you would be fine so like i would like how could you like for people to make comments about things they don't know is number one disturbing but I, yeah i i would definitely have to see more of that conversation because it's like how do you know something that you don't know mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. you don't mm -hmm. Very much so. And sticking with the narratives that have been established for us by those that aren't us. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how much of that media trope about the nerd was actually set not by us, but by the standard character tropes of white culture, white Western European culture. Yeah. And then also, how do we make nerds sexy? Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I would love to see something around like the sexy nerd. Like, do is there a sexy nerd? I could probably look it up. Maybe there is. But, you know, like something that can defy those typically stigmatized tropes. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's all I think there's one of the and that may even be one of the appeals of like Japanese anime. Mm. Maybe you know the sort of the sexy nerd is a character in there, and you're dealing with an entirely different set of cultural tropes too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that always also brings it back to what are the tropes, especially when it comes to sex and sexual imagery within Black culture. That again, and that goes back to the Toni Morrison comment of that we can build and foster for ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. I I mean, I love these kinds of like philosophical questions because it's sort of like, you know, we're thinking deeply about how to move forward. And for me, I guess, in the sexual liberation journey and movement at large, like how do we express these things? Like where, you know, I got a question today, like where do we see sex and sexuality 10 years from now? Mm -hmm. um, so how do we defy these tropes? How do we uh name these tropes or um 
And, you know, with millennials and whatever the next group is, what, Zs, not millennials, I'm sorry, uh, Z and Alpha, I can't remember all of the generations after X, sorry. Um, but, <laughs> like, like, thinking about, like, all of the generations, the newest generations, right, that are developing all of these different types of sex and sexualities, I'm sure we'll be able to, I'm sure there's going to be a name of a person who like, I'm only into, I'm only into geeks. What is that called? My mm -hmm. geek sexuality or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's, up to us, but I also definitely see like newer generations kind of jumping on that bandwagon to destroy uh, past um, past Stigma. paradigms, you yeah. know, but paradigms of sexuality. Yeah, and sadly, we're also watching all of those past those who have been able to only think in those paradigms struggle to try and crush the idea that. And there's something new. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you could give a piece of advice, because then well, we're going to go to break after this. What do you think would be the best guiding principle for people in that standpoint to explore their inner geekdom and their sexuality, even with the intersections of our identities, uh, LGBT as well? You know, I'm a fan of just always just saying yes first. You know what I mean? Because that is the thing that's going to open you up, even when you're so resistant to something. So say someone is not, you know, maybe not into cosplay or not into the geeky, nerdy, whatever it is. Uh, I was thinking about the, our race and kink discussion on Tuesday, and it was like, there was, we talked about wet and messy play, right? Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's one of those things where sometimes you're like, ah, do I, would I really do that? That doesn't even sound fun to me. It sounds sticky and like the mm -hmm. cleanup sounds a mess. But then what if I just said yes? What mm -hmm. if I just said yes to the thing? Like how free would I be, number one, to just say yes and, and have that experience? And number two, now I've had the experience, now I'm more self-aware on whether I would probably like it or not. Mm -hmm. Now... In addition to saying yes, I would offer people, say yes at least three times, like try it at least three times. And then on the third time you can be like, okay, if you really, really didn't like it, like you can, you can shelf it and come back to it in 10 years because our mm -hmm. bodies change, our attitudes change, things change mm -hmm. about us. So I'm really a fan of, in order for us to move forward and be open, we, we, we've got to say, we've got to say yes. Um, uh, uh, Sharonda Rhimes writes, uh, you know, The Year of Yes, right? And it was such a good book because it really helps to, it really can help you to understand, like, why would I say no? Like, what does no shut me off of? But what does, mm -hmm. what does saying yes offer me? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think when a lot of us say more, say yes more, we have the opportunity to explore Mm -hmm. more of ourselves and 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 we can speak to something mm -hmm. if not we at least have a good story you know what i mean <laughs> oh yeah yeah so say yes three times to a new experience to know that before you know that it's not going to happen yeah 
and before you have to come back to it in 10 years. <laughs> exactly. And at least in that time, you got the interesting story to tide you over in those 10 years. Exactly. For, beautiful. So I think that's the best place we're going to take a break here. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with Marla Stewart and uh, M.A. And we're going to be back here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tether. So stay tuned, folks. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, folks. Welcome back for our second half here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here. We are with Marla Stewart, uh, MA. And we've just been talking about uh, the multiple intersections of both race, gender, gender and sexuality, and kingdom, too, with our interest in role-playing, games, just the views of sexuality, and even who we are as a people. So, Marla, your company, Velvet Lips, what's it, you, you bring educational with that. So, I'm kind of curious, what does that also entail? What's that like? What's, it, what's that type? What is it? <laughs> yeah. So, Velvet Lips is my sexuality education company. I've been running for the past 12 years, maybe almost 13 years, something like that. Um, and it is a way for individuals and folks in relationships to get the coaching that they need. So what I do is what I call like a sexual strategy is sort of a triangulation style. So I use techniques from sex therapy, techniques from um, uh, somatic therapy or body work mm -hmm. and uh, comprehensive sex ed to really set the tone and educate people. Mm -hmm. um, so helping people basically with their seduction skills, communication, their sex skills, really being able to emotionally and sexually connect, um, foster that connection and chemistry um, mm -hmm. with other people and with themselves. So mm -hmm. it helps people to be more self-aware, um, I introduced my sexual theory, which is the seduction learning styles um, in our book that uh, Jess and I co-wrote, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. So I talk about uh, how we connect, the ways that we communicate and what is best for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that has really been exciting for me because it's it's. Uh, talk about the the geekiness, right? Like being mm -hmm. able to have like this sexual theory and, and come through with it. But uh, for the most part, Velvet Lips just helps people to get empowered with their own sexuality, get more self-aware, really be able to balance the emotion and the logic, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we kind of falter um, heavily on one or the other. 
Um, so really being able to tap in, trust your power, embody your erotic, um, really be able to use your sexual energy to your benefit, understanding how to create sexual tension, things like that. So I think that brings up a very interesting place that especially we encounter on the, in the therapy side is the standpoint of people of emotion and logic. And emotion can very much be tied to the body. Mm-hmm. And how much of the traumas and experiences and the rejection, shame, blame, guilt that we get fostered and get directed at us and projected at us creates that split between the mind and the body Mm -hmm. and our emotions and how for some, it seems like it's easier to stay in the mind, but really they need their body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. One of the oldest, I I talk about sort of, um, I think it's Buddhist, but we we talk, it's a, on my class about squirting, I talk about mindfulness being occupied with the body, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So understanding the mind-body dynamic is huge, huge, right? Because the mind is the logic piece. The body Mm -hmm. is the emotion. It's what you feel, where you're feeling it, right? Mm -hmm. When we get stuck in our words, right? We often can't talk or Mm -hmm. we get stunted in our throat Mm -hmm. or you know, maybe we have heartbreak, so we might have some heart issues or something going on. So it's really, it's really important that we um, tap into both. Mm. And like you said, a lot of people from how they grew up or whatever tend to split those. Mm. And I think we have to learn, you know, from children, like, remember, like, oh, my gosh, oh, I used to do this, like, and it literally is, mindfulness and body how my body is reacting what i'm doing to make things react so really tapping into that learning process and not separating yourself from it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that gets very hard when we have certain cultural norms that we're struggling with whether it is straight or lgbt with the idea that it's safer for us to be in our minds or it's like it's difficult for us to be in body. And even then, even if it's not due to out and out uh, physical trauma, what does it also mean with our body size issues too? Mm-hmm. To be quite honest, I still deal with my own image, body image issues, being a more thicker, bearish man and feeling comfortable being out with that. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting because like I grew up like as an athlete, right, my whole life. Mm-hmm. And then like um, I still consider myself an athlete, right? But now I'm fatter, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like how do it and when I see myself in the mirror, I have um I told my I tell my mom it's sort of like it, it's a weird distortion because I see myself as a smaller person, but then when I see myself in pictures, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, like I'm fatter than I like think I am, like when I see mm-hmm. myself in the mirror. Um, so we all struggle with some sort of uh, our something's wrong with our bodies. Right. And honestly, mm-hmm. that's how capitalism makes its money. Right. Is is ensuring that we feel insecure uh, in who we are and what we're doing right or wrong or how we look. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of actually relying on what I tell people, their sexual assets or the things that make them feel good or the things that attract other people to them. Right. There's mm-hmm. reasons why 
people are attracted to us, right? There's reasons why people come to you for therapy and there's reasons why you have friends. There's reasons mm -hmm. why you have lovers, right? They're attracted to you for whatever that thing is or whatever those things are. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's super important that we understand what they are and how to use them to our advantage. And when we understand this, then we tend to stop feeling so, so insecure. We're always going to be probably insecure about something, but we could feel less insecure when we're sure what we feel good about and why people love us for what they love us for. Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's a lovely segue too into the issue of dealing with, because um, this is going to be coming out in February, which is Black History, Black Pride, Black Excellence Month. It's also Valentine's. Black Excellence. Woo! Yo, you know, there's a good <laughs> I think you should capitalize that as a title. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also February. So what does that also entail when we're looking at both individuals and couples of any gender? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think when we, you know, as we're moving to this month and right, it's Black History Month. It's, it's like all the month. It's the love month. It's like all of these things, right? Um, I think it's super important for us to think about like um, what what do we desire? You know, what do we desire? What is what is one thing that we want for ourselves? Mm -hmm. and how do we go about doing it, right? And what makes us uh, what's keeping us from doing it, mm -hmm. right? I think a lot of times as a single person or a person in a relationship, you really have to think about like, what keeps me from doing the things that I want to do? Um, Cause it's, a, you know, it's mind trash, it's stuff that keeps us from moving forward. Um, so my hope is, you know, in the realm of, of black excellence, right? My hope is for, for us all to, um, I really encourage people to dig a little deeper, expand on their sexual repertoire, find something new that they haven't done before, and mm -hmm. then do it, mm -hmm. right? Again, saying yes, not only yes to something else, but yes to themselves, giving yourself permission to explore, giving yourself permission to fuck up or do things wrong you know what i mean like give yourself permission just to find out you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um you know how black people say you know i i, I, I wish someone would I, I wish you would i wish you would i wish you fuck would around. you know what fuck i mean around and find like, out. <laughs> no, fuck around and find out yeah fuck around and find out <laughs> And exactly like i want us to give us that permission just to be like let me find out you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Let me find out. Let me fuck around and find out for real uh, mm -hmm. about this thing. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I hope I answer your question. I'm not sure where I went. I'm like, where did I go? Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Where I guess we needed to let the ancestors guide that. Let's be frank. Our ancestors did enjoy sex. They were here as mortal beings before they went to the other side. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that may also be one of those areas of the aspect of where we struggle with the idea of what spirituality and sex connect to and the fact that for our ancestors, for
for us to be here now, our ancestors had to have sex. Mm-hmm. They, they were right. virtual physical beings as well. It's so fascinating to think about this, Perry, because like, yeah, our ancestors, right, they had sex for us to be here. And mm -hmm. now with like new technology and like as queer people, right, like mm -hmm. I have a, we have a, we had a donor, right? Like, mm -hmm. so the, the sex that we had wasn't, I, I mean, I didn't have sex with this penis in order to have my baby, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. how do we, like, how do we now start talking about, well, you know, you were created in love. It wasn't sex. You were you mm -hmm. were created in a, in a way that you know, with technology or with you know, good old fashioned you know, old school turkey baster, or whatever it is, right? Like, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, like we're moving into this realm of like, uh, yes, we are ancestors of dreams, and like, what is that going to look like for future generations who? um who are who are brought in this world you know intentionally you're right as, as queer people and, and are, as a queer parent like intentionally and, and thoughtfully mm -hmm. um and uh and so that's also a, a sort of a, a shift as well but um yeah, I find that fascinating. But yeah, our, our ancestors, yes, they, they they definitely had sex in order to, to, to make us happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is also that aspect of how do we embody some of their wildest dreams. Mm. I love that. How do we embody our ancestors' wildest dreams? You know, our ancestors some of our ancestors weren't free, right? Some of our ancestors were enslaved. Mm -hmm. Some of our ancestors, you know, were raped. Some of our ancestors were, you know, we 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 got here in a multitude of ways, which I'm I'm very thankful for. But it's also, of course, thinking about our blackness and, mm -hmm. and black bodies and and how they've been used over the centuries. It's sort of like um I, my ancestors' wildest dreams is probably, I'm living it, right? Like I'm mm -hmm. able to authentically be me. I'm able to step into my identities as a black, queer, kinky person. Like I'm able to express myself. I'm able to express my sexual needs. I'm able to um, educate um younger generations or educate older generations actually for me too right like i'm, I'm educating uh, people across the the age spectrum um to ensure that they are also um living their wildest dreams and doing all the things that they want to do because mm -hmm. um it's fun out here you know what i mean we're living we only got one life to live we 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 need to explore this to the fullest and so i'm gonna do that Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna do it the best way I know how. Yeah, because our, our ancestors' wildest dreams went from grandiose of being to sail the ship or walk across the stars mm. to just being able to be able to be in someone's loving arms too. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. I love that. So with that, I'll lead to our classic question on the show is myths and realities. Mm. So what do you think are some of the myths and realities around mental health? Mm, myths and realities. Mm. You know, I feel like one of the 
myths is that we're all normal. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like the reality is we're all different and unique and uncommon like our thoughts are different the way we're raised our experiences and yeah we can share some ideologies that are the same but um uh, the myth is that there is no normal there's no normal way of being there's a common way of being people who are doing the common because that is what they feel that they should do because of society or blah 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 but Mm-mm. like it's not uh there's no normal there's none of that yeah which is the struggle we find i noticed at least from my side of the thing is noticing how many systems that we are depending on for mental health are trying to go for a universal idea of existence which is not the case right right yeah i agree i there isn't the case of yeah there is no what's universal is yeah we need help we need to also be paid for that's the universal portion of it the rest of it is going to be unique to the person right situation that's bringing them in for the aspect of true serious deep mental distress to just trying to deal with the perplexities and confusingness of life right exactly exactly it's so interesting i always wonder like where would we be as far as mental health if we destroyed capitalism right if we were in a place of like as a person who runs multiple businesses right Mm -hmm. i'm like what if we destroyed capitalism and just did what we felt was amazing to our spirits and felt good to us right Mm -hmm. so how like for me it's sort of like what would a like a barter system look like like i would love to have that reality you know and maybe that's like a burning man dream or something you know what i mean of of like of of just being like this is my gift and what i offer people and what i'm good at and i want to offer it to you in exchange for for what you got can you feed me can you do this for me or you know mm. what are the things that i need do i need therapy do i need someone to talk to because like my mind is all over the place or whatever like what are the things that i, I wish that that's like my <laughs> my wild wildest dream mm. is to be able for folks to really tap into what they really truly enjoy and um and some people i i know say like oh but that's so far-fetched because nobody would want to be a janitor but that's not really true because i know some people who love cleaning right who love cleaning who like take pride in their cleaning and like so i i i kind of refuse to think that there is not something for everyone Mm. you know Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that's just me being hopeful for a dystopic future. <laughs> oh, no, because it always gets, and, and this is where, I, after also playing enough games like Civilization, which I've stopped playing after a certain point, is mm-hmm. the question is there also is that is there maybe a size limit to where these things can function mm. as mm. opposed to trying to continue to function on this larger scale, which 
yeah, requires maybe some new things. And we need maybe to invent an entirely new concept of grand nation state bartering systems that doesn't mm -hmm. fund money and so forth as being the uh, power source for that. But there comes a point where it's like, I'm wondering, sometimes I wonder, it's like, is there an effective size where this system can work before another system has to be put into place? Mm -hmm. And yeah. how can you actually build off of those bones of the previous system at this size? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great place for us to wrap up. So I'm wondering, where can people find you? What are some projects that are coming up in the future? Because this is coming out in February. What can people look forward to in February or sex of February? Sex of last stuff. Black sex <laughs> Trademark that. Really serious is trademark that. Capitalize on it. Um, so I, you know, so February is really great. Um, there's the Dick Fest, which is a phallic standard virtual festival that I have coming up. Um, and uh, there's also, and you can find that on velvetlipssexed.com. Um, you can find me on social media at one Marla Stewart. That's the number one Marla Stewart. And then at Velvet Lips Sex Ed, that's sex without the E. Mm -hmm. And then also, of course, the Sex Down South Conference, which is happening in October. I mean, I'm sorry, September. But we also have um, day-long events. So we'll be uh, Sex by Southwest will be happening into February in Tucson. Um, and we'll be having more events, Sex on the Beach here in Miami, um, and a few other events, hopefully, throughout the year. So just making sure that you get uh, go to sexdownsouth.com and make sure you sign up for our email list for that. Um, you can look for us at SDSCon on Instagram or Sex Down South ATL uh, on Facebook and Twitter. And let's see what other black sex and stuff. I have my kinky Valentine. I'm uh, always uh, for Valentine's Day for February. So just make sure you get on my list of velvetlipsexed.com um, to get all the latest and greatest updates. Or you can join my text list. Um, and that uh, number is 404-737-1364. Uh, um, so you can um, join my text list if you're interested in um, just knowing what kind of events are coming up. Um, again, that's 404-737-1364. And I think that is pretty much maybe i don't know <laughs> hopefully <laughs> well, no, i figure there's gonna be some conversations in the future and i'll try to have as many of those things listed on the on, in the show notes as possible so if you want to refer to them but otherwise marla beyond my script names which happens i want to thank you very much for being on the show awesome thank you so much perry i'm so happy to be on your show and thank you for inviting me so thank you Thank you. So this is just the start of Black History, Black Pride, Black Excellence Month. Then just a little get a little SEX in there too, if you can. <laughs> so have fun and have a good February, folks. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 